Welcome to the PSP Insider. My name is Chris, and with me is Jason, and we are the normal hosts of the Paid Search Podcast, but today we are talking about how to transition to a full-time Google Ads freelancer. This episode is specifically for people who are not uh, fully employed as a as a freelancer, but instead have a day job, have something, and they're trying to move into a career where they are their own boss. And if you're interested in something like that, this is going to be a great episode for you. You can learn about the secrets that it takes to transition from one phase of your life to another. And Jason, what are the goals? What are they going to learn about on this episode? Well, just so no one's disappointed, let me just give them the yes, because I I don't want them to get the impression that we don't do that on the insider. Yes. (laughs) That was excellent. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, the goals of this episode, Chris, a lot of people have been asking about how to transition. So we want to give listeners guidance on what it takes to start freelancing profitably and give yourself the best odds to actually make it and continue to be in business for many years. And the information we're going to give them is just kind of what we've done ourselves. Um, and then the second goal of the episode is to give a list of steps and action items that they need to confront and kind of like take care of in order to transition to full-time freelancing. So it's everything they're going to run into. It's everything you have to watch out for. It's everything you have to plan for uh, to give yourself the best odds to become a full-time profitable Google ads freelancer. Okay, Chris. So those are the goals of the episode and we're going to get into the specific items that entail everything we just talked about. But first, I just wanted to kind of talk about two things. I want to talk about why we both started freelancing um, and maybe looking back on it. Was it crazy at the time? Did we do these things with a plan or did it just work out? And then uh, the second thing I want to convey to people is that just because you want to freelance, it doesn't mean you get to freelance. Like, if the people listening to the show do not become a full-time Google ads freelancer in the next year after listening to this, the world's going to be fine. Like we're going to be able, the world's going to survive without them. So like, what are you bringing to the table? That's going to make you different. Is it a cost thing? Is it a knowledge thing? Is it a efficiency thing? Is it people in your city don't have this service and you're going to bring it to them? Like what is the market demand for this service? Um, or is there just a huge need for Google Ads managers and you can fit in? At least think about that and think about what the market is asking for and how you're going to solve that problem. Uh, because I've tried businesses in the past, Chris, and I know you have too, where we both thought we had good ideas, but the market didn't necessarily want our ideas. So at least approaching it with like, why am I doing this? Who am I helping? What need am I meeting? Like write that down before you even get started. But with that said, Chris... Take me through, like, why do you even start freelancing 37 years ago or whatever it was? 37. Yeah, so I started freelancing 10 years ago this year because I was fired from my job, and it was 2008, and it was it was the end of 2008, and uh, if you remember, that was the time of the financial downturn, and nobody was hiring. A marketing guy can't get a job because everybody's cut their marketing budgets. Like nobody wants to hire a marketing person. So that's basically what I was. You know, I'm a Google Ads guy, but I was a marketing person and I couldn't get a job. So I transitioned because I needed to broaden my horizon and reach beyond just uh, the immediate area that I was uh, trying to get a job in. If I couldn't get a job with an agency in town or get hired in-house, I thought my chances would be a lot better if I started advertising nationally or, uh, you know, trying to at least reach out to people. I didn't have money to advertise yet, but uh, if I was able to reach people on a national level, even if I got 0.01% success, that's still a great income because uh, the chances in my local town were not working out very well. So that's that's why I did it, and it was it was uh, the availability uh, is of, of people that are going to match your criteria of a client is going to be a lot higher nationally. Uh, what about you, Jason? Well, that's interesting uh, to hear that from you because your entry into Google Ads freelancing came from a place of necessity, 
and mine came from a place of desire. And what's interesting is that even though they're totally two different places we're coming from, the fury and passion and the needing to get it done and desire to get it done was like probably white hot. I know it was for me and I'm sure it was for you because for me, I hated working for other people. And I use that word strongly, the word hate. I use that with, with intention. I love working from home. It fits my personality. And then I had a strong desire. And by desire, I mean more than words can say. I mean, if our listeners were drowning and it was between me saving their life and then me making money, don't I don't want to answer on don't air which yeah. one I choose. <laughs> okay. It. I don't want to answer on air which one I choose, but it's a desire that that's strong to make more money. So I have an accounting degree. Oil was high when I started in 2013, 2014, and it's still high. And if you have an accounting degree in Oklahoma, when oil's high, you're, you're going to be able to get a job. Right. So right. I had plenty of jobs that I could get or keep or whatever I was doing, but I had a huge desire to not work for other people, to work from home, and to make a heck of a lot more money. So I guess my point here is, Chris, whether you're coming from a place of needing to do it because you lost your job or you're coming from a place of desire to do it, uh, it's got to kind of burn white hot. Maybe people can make it if they're not burning white hot. But for me, Chris, I know that that's basically the reason I made it is because the, the desire was just like it was just this and nothing else. It, it had to work. Yeah. yeah. So, well, let's talk about what it's going to take for the listener to be able to get in on this great career that you and I have launched and, and enjoy to this day. And we've been very successful at. And what kind of skills does a person need to do this? And I've got good news. Um, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to have a college degree. That's not the kind of things we're going to list here, which is good news. The only kind of official education you need is a certification from Google. And that's free. It merely takes time. So number one is you need Google ads. You need a solid foundation and understanding of what it takes to make a successful campaign. And I've got good news for you. Our absolutely free show, Paid Search Podcast, is a great resource. <laughs> Hundreds of hours of us talking about that single thing. So that, there's a resource. And then second, there's tons of other resources online directly from Google in the form of videos, in the form of online um Articles that you can read. I mean, there's forums to ask questions. Uh, so there's plenty of opportunities. So you don't have to take out a loan to go to college to get a degree to try and get a job. You can jump right in in your spare time and learn this skill. So that's number one. And Chris, what's interesting about that Google Ads skill, with which both you and I have and all the listeners of the Patriots podcast should have, you can't do this job without that skill. But if that's the only skill you have this job is not going to work. You're going to go out of business. Yeah. So it's like a dichotomy. You have to have it, but you need other stuff. And the, the reason you need other stuff is because when you go work for someone else, whether you're in-house at a company that advertises on Google or you're working at an agency and you advertise for their clients on Google, all you need is like some good basic hygiene so you don't smell when you come to the office <laughs> and Google ad skills. That's all it takes to get hired and, and stay employed when you have good Google ad skills at an agency or a in-house uh, company that's advertising on Google. The rest of the company, the reason the company makes money, the reason you have the job, that's all someone else's responsibility. But when you're the freelancer, you're the business. So you need every skill that it takes to run a business basically. And the first one is discipline. You have to have discipline. So if you don't show up to your job at nine and you don't leave at five, you're going to get fired. But in this job, there's no one forcing you to work. A lot of people are going to be working from home. And the number one question I get when I tell people what I do is, oh, how do you work from home? That must take such discipline. Do you not just lie on your bed all day? And for whatever <laughs> reason, I don't. Like I get up and I make yeah. the bed and then I don't get back in it until later that night. So you have to have discipline. Maybe you can figure out a way to teach it, but I would say you kind of got to be a self-starter, have a schedule, stick to it, but you also have to have the discipline to not overwork, not be, not go crazy, have a good work-life balance, and that takes discipline too. And then the other sense where you need discipline, Chris, is uh, the ability to say no. Mm -hmm. You're going to be hit with so many bad offers when you're a freelancer, bad clients, people offering you 
variations of your service that are going to turn into like bad work for you, not profitable. You have to have the ability to take no, and that takes discipline. Chris, you've been doing this for 10 years. You have a beautiful home office. This discipline thing, do you ever just like stop working during the day and get in your pajamas and go back to bed? Like, (laughs) I don't understand why that's hard for people, but do you ever run into discipline issues? No, I mean, it's, there are times when I will plan because I know I don't want to do something on a certain day. You know, there's like something that I want to attend or something I want to do. And I will plan for that. But that in itself is discipline. And no, I absolutely don't put my pajamas back on because I'm working in my pajamas, of course. So I don't have to put them back on. But I don't crawl back into bed. It's so it, it's absolutely not uh, something. Uh, I think this immediately eliminates a lot of people because if you find this to be incredibly difficult, you may not have the skills at this point. You may not have the reason behind the discipline needed. Uh, and if you don't have, you know, people that are relying on you or just the internal get go to start doing it, it may not work for you because no one will be there to wake you up in the morning to get started. No one will be there to make sure that you hit the deadlines you're supposed to hit. You'll just get fired. Um, so it's, it's crucial. You you have to have this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so next let's talk about not getting fired apart from doing a good job. You're going to have to communicate that you're doing a good job. Uh, this is one of the things that in reality, you will probably hate that you have to do it. I would say it's a, it's always a battle between whether this is 40% communication is 40% or 60% of your job. Sometimes it feels like it's, you know, you're only doing, 40% AdWords and 60% just communication with clients. In other days, it'll flip-flop. But in reality, you have to have good written communication, emails, and communication on your website. You know, the copy that you put on your website to explain what you do or on your Elan, on, on Elance. Never mind. Uh, Upwork. Oh, I wish. Yeah, that's the old days. Yep. Um, back, uh, you know, the communication that you put on your profiles, stuff like that, that's important. So that's the written communication. Speaking. There is more than can be said. We'd have to do an entire episode about speaking, which we have, actually. We have talked about the speaking skill. We've, episode one of the insider yeah, how, sales call. Yeah, how to, sales, how to handle your first sales call. Speaking is incredibly important. You need to be confident about what you're doing, and you need to know when to be humble and listen because the, the person on the other end of the line knows about their business. You know about AdWords. They know about your business, about their business. So sometimes you just need to shut up and you need to understand you know, where your limits are. So you understand both being aggressive and also taking a step back. Um, so speaking is important. Phone, uh, of course. And then if you do any videos or anything that you communicate beyond just phone calls. And then when it comes down to communication, you, you need to know uh, things on how often to reply to emails, what, how, how to type those emails out, written emails like that. And the other aspect while we're talking about emails is computer skills. Okay. That goes along with emails, basic script knowledge and HTML adding codes to websites. I know very little. I cannot build a website by hand. That is not what I'm referring to. I'm just merely talking about, you need to understand how a basic code looks, that there's a beginning and an end, what the middle looks like, how it's broken up, what different punctuation might mean for different types of languages. And this is important because you need to communicate that to your clients. You need to, I'm not suggesting that you add the code yourself. Great if you can, but you at least need to communicate that. So you need to have that skill set of communicating that knowledge to someone and how you can do that effectively. Just, I mean, it's basically every skill set we're going to cover in this section is crucial to the job because now that I'm thinking about it, the amount of different ways that I communicate to different people, it's really an amazing skill set. So people hear me on the paid search podcast and it's like I'm communicating in a marketing kind of sense. Like I'm trying to get attention. I'm trying to get in front of people. So I sound one way. And then they call me and they're like, <laughs> Jason from the podcast, like, uh, let's go get some hookers and do some Coke. And I'm like, um, what's your business plan? What's your budget per month? Like, are you ready to get started? Do you have a Google ads? Work? And I've noticed there's like a, there's a noticeable letdown when people call me 
from the podcast to work with me because they're like, Jason, it's, oh man, I, I hear your voice and and they think I'm going to like party with them. And I'm like, uh, let's get down to business because it's a different <laughs> communication. That's how I communicate yeah, with business owners. And then written communication, Chris, whether you're selling yourself on your blog or you're trying to convey to people who've contacted you on a lead form, what services you do in a in a way that's short enough for them to read, but long enough for them to understand. And then talking with computer people. You can just copy and paste Google Ads instruction when you're sending them the conversion codes, but I know a whole different way of speaking to the web designers, the web developers, because a lot of times you send them that cut and dry cookie cutter instructions and they don't eat, they skip over it and they just ignore it. And then you don't have your conversion code, but I figured out a way to communicate to them with nice little sentences that tell them exactly what they need to do in their little computer language because I have that basic knowledge of HTML, how a website works, the header, the body, stuff like that. So those are the three areas of communication. Chris, the reason I was just born, I was created in a lab, Chris, to, to do Google <laughs> to do Google ads, okay? Because I'm good at two things. I'm good at marketing and being creative, but I'm good at business and being analytical. And we're going to get to the business in a second. But one of the skill sets you have to have is you got to be creative. Like when it comes down to knowing what campaigns to run, what kind of campaigns to run, should you run a local campaign or should you run a national campaign or should you run a national campaign, but only when they're searching about the local area, the kind of keywords you target, getting inside of people's heads when they do the keywords, trying to come up with keywords on your own, how you would search it if you were in their shoes, writing ad copy, all this stuff is creative, Chris, and no two campaigns are the same, even the ones that are in the same industry over and over. Different things work in different markets and being creative, being able to understand all your options and try them out. Creative with ad copy. Creativity is a, is a crucial skill set to, to being a really good AdWords manager. Chris, what do you think about this statement? Communication, discipline, all that stuff. I think it's it's 100% necessary to thrive at this job. I think you can get away because I've seen them out there with being a Google ads freelancer with very little creativity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this one's more of like a steroid, like it's a booster. Like if you have creativity, it's the rocket fuel to, to really make your business. You can get away with without it, but if you have it, things are going to take off for you. What do you think about that? Chris? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it seems like uh, the epitome of not being creative is essentially scagging, which, you know, is just following a, <laughs> a particular formula. path and formula to fit what that you've been told works. So absolutely. I think creativity is something that is probably not an absolute requirement, but it is a absolute requirement. If you want to excel, if you want to impress someone, come up with something outside of the box that says, Hey, I know you want these keywords, but what about the people that are looking for this? You can fit into that. And here's a great way to bring people in. So that's how creativity will shine for you. All right. So next we're going to get into the weeds here. We're going to talk about stuff not just in Google Ads because you don't just manage Google Ads. Another 10%, 20% of your time is going to be business. It's going to be business stuff. So working with business owners and doing business things. Okay, You have to have an understanding of what's important to those business owners. You have to have an understanding about what's important to your business. You have to understand that profit is not just getting a check from someone. As soon as you get that check, there's part of it that's gone. Taxes, gone. Uh, there's a cost. You had to buy that computer. You have to pay for your internet. You had to pay for your phone line. And there's all kinds of things. So you have to understand how business works and the ability to understand many other businesses' important aspects. So uh, you understand the difference between e-commerce and understand the difference between lead generation. Understand the difference between uh, somebody who just wants their name out there, product launches, all this kind of stuff. Understand the multiple facets of business. Yeah, and at its core level for your own business and for the business people you work for, it comes down to a profit and loss statement and an income statement, which can get complex, but all you need to remember is that Revenue is the top line. Sales is another word for revenue. Revenue is the top line. That's the money that comes in. Costs are all the things that it takes to make that money, the money that goes out, and profits what, what's left over. So revenue minus cost equals profit. You have to understand that for your own business. Okay, revenue, AdWords management fees, cost, internet, 
website hosting, marketing expenses, different softwares, insurance, you take all that away, you're left with profit. You have to understand that for your own business and also the business owners you work for. But then you really want to be a student of business, lifetime value of a customer, value of referrals, value of one extra review they get, all that kind of stuff. It, it really does pay to kind of be a little business expert because you're you're working for many different types of businesses. So if you can understand the core business that applies to all businesses, that'll help you kind of like really cut to the chase with every client you work for and understand how you can use Google Ads to help them. So. Chris, the final skill set we think you need to thrive as a Google Ads freelancer, marketing and sales. And it's very simple. Marketing is how you get in front of potential clients, how you get their attention, how you get them to fill out the lead form, how you get them to call you, how you get them in a room if you're doing local training or something like that. That's all marketing. Sales is how you get them to give you money. Mm. And that's... That's a dichotomy that I did not understand until many years into my career, Chris, that marketing and sales, advertising and sales, they get thrown around so closely all the time, but they're really different things. Marketing, how do you get in front of the right people? Sales, how do you get them to give you the money? Um, You got to have both of those skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So obviously business plan, that's what we have to talk about from here because this is where you determine who you are what you do. And as Jason said, what you offer that's different. And let me explain something. If you go and Google, you know, write a business plan, you'll run into the same problem I did. It's going to be formulated for people that are going to hire employees. They're going to have complex, you know, uh, businesses that require, you know, leasing a building and having products and having a storefront or an online store or something like that. What you think of as a business plan may be intimidating if you look it up or you ask someone. But when it comes down to freelancing, starting on your own, it's a very simple process. Let us lay it out for you because it's not as scary as you think. Number one, what services do you offer? Okay, That's an important question because there's another side of that question. What services don't you offer? Okay, So you need to know where you stop and where you start. So... You know what you do and you know what you don't do. For example, I tell people all the time, I'm a Google AdWords expert, but if you want something outside of Google AdWords, you can go talk to someone else because I don't do that. And I have had a few people that do go talk to someone else and I'm fine with that. But you know what? I live a happier life because I don't have to mess with Facebook. I don't do Instagram. I don't have to build landing pages. I don't have to do these other things. So that's how I've defined my services. And it's lost me some clients to agencies that do probably lost me clients to Jason who does, (laughs) does that sometimes. So, you know, it's fine. So define your services and then you have to figure out what are your prices for these services? Okay. How much are you charging? Have set defined prices. And now that you have prices defined for each one of these menu items that you're selling, then how much, if anything, does it cost you to produce these services? These are fixed expenses. These are things that you know you have You have to have a computer, you have to have internet, you have to have a phone. We mentioned all these things before. What you do then is you apply the formula of profit per service. So Jason, where do they go from here? Yeah. So you know what you want to offer people. You define it. You define what your prices are. So you know how much money's coming in. You define your expenses. So you know what you're going to keep over as profit. And then From there, you have to know how many of those services do you need in order to to make a living. So one question we get all the time, Chris, is what do you charge for your services? Like, how do you price your services? Well, we're going to have a full episode on that, on all the services, everything we know about pricing. But in general, for freelancers, some of the best advice I ever got, Chris, and I forget where I got it, but it was some of the best advice I ever heard when it came to freelancing. Um, there's so much talk about hourly rate and what one of the, the just best piece of advice I got was that hourly rate is made up. That's just what this person told me. Hourly rates made up and you can make it whatever you want to make it. So you tell yourself, what do I want to make per hour for this service? And then how many hours will it take to perform this service? And that's what I'm going to charge someone. So for example, if I wanted to make $50 an hour, 
to manage a small business's Google ad account each month. And I wanted to make $50 an hour and I estimated it was going to take four hours a month. I would charge them 200. If I wanted to make a hundred dollars an hour and it was going to take four hours a month, I would charge them $400 a month. And you just define what you want to make, estimate how much time it's going to take and then charge people that. And then from there with your business plan, you have to know, okay, if I'm going to charge, if I want to make 50 an hour, if it's going to take four hours a month to manage, it's 200 a month per client. How many clients do I need to get above my living expenses? And that's your business plan at its core level. So Chris, this book, you're looking at it. No one else is because we don't have a video feed mm-hmm. on the insiders. Mm-hmm. $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo. Chris, or oh man, his name is Chris too. Yeah, wow. But your name is Chris. Wow. But he writes books. <laughs> Who would have thought you could both be named Chris? Yeah, there's probably but only Chris, two of us. This book changed my life. Can I say that, Chris? Wow. This book changed my life and made me so much money, I'm not even going to say it on air. All it took was this book. And there's a couple pages on this book, Chris, page number 43, instant consultant business. He gives you a formula, basically like our business plan, how to create an instant consultant business. And then Chris, you can see this on page 102, the one page business plan. That's all it takes. It's not some big thing for an employee like you talked about before. Mm-hmm. It's just one page. Look at that. Fil- how's your business going to make it's- How's your business? Yeah, I filled it out with a former business. It didn't work because I, I didn't put as much into it, but it was working. I got people cold to pay me money each month for a different service. So it's very simple questions like, what will you sell? Who will buy it? How will it help people? What will you charge? How will you get paid? How will people find you? How many people do you need? How many customers to cover your uh, life expenses? Yeah. And that's all it is. So I strongly recommend people go buy this book. And let me put that a different way, Chris. You're an idiot if you don't. Okay. People are strongly recommending. Let me let me give you my true opinion of people who are wanting to be a freelancer uh-huh. and don't go buy this book. Okay. You're an idiot if you don't, because this thing this thing is all you need. It'll change your life. Wow. So I strongly recommend that. Okay. Um, but Chris, it ain't just about a business plan. You got to have someone to offer the business to. And this is the most, this is crucial. How are you going to get clients? So you figured out everything, right, Jason? I mean, you, you've read the book. You've got the plan. You've got some ideas. You know your costs, or at least you have a plan for your costs. Nobody's bought into it yet. You know what your expenses probably will be. You know, you've got the bait. How do you catch the fish? Um, and, and <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you like that? You got, you got the, you got the rifle. How do you get the deer? You got the bullet. You got the bullet. How, how do you shoot them? Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's tough to go back. It was a while ago, 10 years ago, you know, um, that's me without kids, uh, and, uh, been married for a while. And it, it goes back to a frustration that I can still vividly remember is that, I want to do this and I have no proof to show that I'm good at it other than enthusiasm and a cheap price and someone that just needs it done. Someone has a need. I'll do that. I'm very enthusiastic. I'll give you tons and tons of my time, you know, and I'll do it cheaply. And that's pretty much how I started. I mean, you talked about 50 bucks an hour, you know, you want 50 bucks an hour earlier and I'll tell you, I think I started out at like 15 an hour is what I started, you know, and then I moved to like 25, 15 was to try and get a few. And then I moved to like 25 and I kind of sat there for a while, uh, a long time. I started with, uh, Elance and, uh, Odesk and I, I, you know, went hourly. I got hired job by job and that was how I started going beyond just my initial client list. And it was a, it is absolutely a scary place because it's frustrating. You you have no proof to show you know what you're doing, and people you know ask about stuff, and you 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 can't really provide anything, and you just have to grind your way through client by client. But uh, you know, for me, it was my my very first client was actually my former boss, and this is something Jason that you've made very clear in other shows we've talked about. Don't burn bridges. And this was absolutely true for me. I ended up getting a client from the former agency that I was working with before they needed to outsource some stuff to me. And I took it on 
And that gave me a small base to work with. And then I went from there. So it, it's difficult. It takes time. But I'll tell you, marketing is so much more diverse now. The platforms and the availability and ways that you can market now is so diverse. And some of it, which which I think you're very good at, Jason, is free marketing. Just SEO and content marketing is an option. It was really not an option back in 2008, 2009. It, it, I mean, SEO was still very new. I mean, it was what didn't even really have much of a defined process, you know, that I think it have an entire um, industry around it like it does now. So there's so much stuff. So, so Jason, talk about where you were at at the beginning, what it's like, and then what type of platforms are available for people. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris, just like you have the business plan, I think part of the business plan when you're transitioning, it has to be a lead plan, how to get clients, a client generation plan. You have to have a plan in place before you fully transition from a job to a full-time freelancer. If you do that because you luckily got one or two clients, you're going to quit your job and then go out into the freelancer world and compete with people like me and Chris, we're going to kill you. <laughs> like we're going to absolutely I'm gonna smile. I'm destroy gonna you. I'm going to pat your head and say, you know, oh, that's cute. I, I mean, I'll be nice about it, right? Yeah, like we'll we'll send you a link to the podcast. Like... <laughs> take some notes, but you don't want to do that. You don't want to compete without a plan. So it's so important to get clients. You have to have a plan in place. For me, Chris, I did not quit my job. And we'll talk about this at the end of the episode until I had so much work coming in that I was turning down, like I was turning down work because of my job. And the reason I was turning down work because of my job was because I had a plan in place to get clients. So the first thing that worked for me, the first thing that clicked was Elance. I was going on Elance hiring people for different kind of businesses I was starting. And then I thought to myself, you know what? Well, I'm going into Google ads and oh yeah, people do that on, on Elance, even though I've never hired someone for that. So I started offering my own services on Elance. It worked awesome. The equivalent to that today is Upwork. Um, and then I got some local clients by cold outreaching. We've talked about that on insider episodes. And then I made a content plan. I said, okay, I'm good at writing. I'm going to blog. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to get found. And the clients started coming in because of Elance, because of blogging, because of local outreach. I had a plan in place. Chris, there, like you said, that was about five years ago. You were doing that 10 years ago. Things are so different yeah. now with social media and YouTube and podcasting and all that. If I was to start right now and I was in a job, I would probably, I'm in my office right now. I've got a huge blank wall. No, not the one behind me. The other wall is blank as all well, All of them Chris. are blank. And I would probably... <laughs> set up a video on my desk here. I would point at that wall. I'd put a huge whiteboard and I would be the shirt shirtless AdWords uh -huh. guy. Yep. Yep. And I think all of me, 397 pounds, I would take my shirt off and I would train people on Google ads on YouTube videos and Instagram shirtless. <laughs> what a and plan. You, you're laughing what a, because you amazing. know that would yes, work. Yes, absolutely. You know that would work. You know yeah. that would get attention. You know that would have thumbnails. You know no one else would be willing to do that. And just like that, I'd be sitting in my job and I would just start tacking on those clients, okay? And then once I had enough, I would I would go, oh, I have a plan. YouTube is working. I'm going to get enough where I can quit my job and then keep going after them. So you got to have a plan. You got to show yourself that you're able to get clients before you actually take the risk of, of leaving a job. So Chris, it's very simple. We go deep. We deep dive on these topics on other insider episodes, but just as an overview here, there's only X amount of places I think you can get these clients you can come up with plans for. To me, Chris, it's online advertising, AdWords and Facebook, online content, blog, podcast, YouTube, social media, writing Kindle books on Amazon. Locally, you can do training and seminars to meet local business owners. I think Eventbrite would be a great place to go there. Um, agency outreach, that's episode four of our insider podcast that can get, get you started. Um, and then Upwork online freelancing sites, but to me, Upwork's the biggest one. That's where you go to, to get clients. But the point of this section is have a plan in place, implement the plan, start getting clients, bring them in. And then at that point you can be able to leave your job once you're actually getting clients. Yeah. It's, I'll just say. If you're wondering, this seems, you know, a little obscure, a little obtuse on on the specifics. Uh, that's because Jason and I have sat down and talked through a tremendous amount of these details and broke it into local and national. 
and we have two specific. So Jason kind of quickly talked about these. I don't want to mark it too heavily here. You guys know it's available, but I just want to say, if you haven't checked out the Insider, we have two episodes devoted to this entire section, and that's what they're about. So be sure and check those out. Yeah. And Chris, can I give one more tip for for new people? Testimonials. Um, I remember they're so important, getting those testimonials, proving to people, like you said earlier, that you know what you're doing. And one of the kind of deals I would make with early clients when I would charge a lot less is, yeah, I'm going to charge you a super small hourly rate. But what I need from you, if I do a good job, I really need that testimonial, whether it's a video or written. Um, That was huge for me, getting a bunch of testimonials off the bat. And I want to recommend uh, a podcast, Seth Godin's Startup School, G-O-D-I-N, Seth Godin Startup School. It's on Apple Podcast. It's a fixed amount of episodes. Like he he basically let you in on a training session he did for startups, whether it's a freelancer or a business. And one of the things he really hit home was testimonials. And, and that was the biggest way you can sell new clients is, is showing them those testimonials. Now let's talk about something I'm particularly excited about because this is why I love my job and I've been doing it for so long. I get to work at home. Now, this is something when when you when you tell somebody you you know you're self-employed, you work at home and people think like how do you do that? I would just watch Mori all day and stay in bed. You know, this is I think is why my setup works so well for me is because for me, I can stay at home all day. I enjoy being home. I've always enjoyed being home. I'm not like a big go out and do things. I have my schedule and I stick to it and it works for me. You, dear listener, may not be the kind of person that wants to be home. You may want to work around other people. You may not want to be by yourself or you may not want to look at the same walls all the time. You want to you know, have a different environment, maybe move around. That's great. The thing is, one is not better than the other. It needs to work. You need to have a consistent workspace. You need to have something that is conducive to the process that you set up back when we first started this conversation. If you are going to take local business, it's probably not advantageous for you to work at home because then if you need to meet clients, you now need to transition to um, a workspace outside of your normal workspace. So that's going to slow you down. That's going to make it difficult. So you might need to look into having a paid workspace or some co-working workspace where you have access to a meeting room. You need to make these decisions because for me, I can only speak from experience uh, and let me tell you how it works for me. I never went after local business. I never wanted to meet with a local business person because I worked at home. And I'm in my pajamas and I have no interest in getting dressed, taking a shower, not in that order. First you take a shower, then you get dressed. I've done this before. It's all right. Um, And then I go meet people and I've just killed two to three hours of my day when it comes to driving and, you know, all that kind of before I sit back down, it's been like two hours and or more. And I've just lost over half my day. Back then I didn't work as many hours as I do now. But so the idea is you need to make a workspace that works based on your plan. You need to have uh, a computer. For me, I like to have a desktop. I hate laptops. I think they are twice the price for twice the crap. I don't think it's worth it. So desktops are a better investment for me. So make decisions. Everything that you make based on your working plan that you set up at the top has to work in conjunction with your workspace. It's very important. And Jason, I know you still meet with local businesses. You still do some local stuff as well as national. So you've made it work for you. So I know it's possible, but uh, talk about your workspace. Like, how do you like to work? Well, like you, I am a, I am a homebody. I love being at home, uh, but it's not just that. It, it, it's got to be the right home. So even if you're a homebody, if you got kids running around all day, um, it wouldn't be a good fit because you got to be able to focus. So for me, I don't have kids yet. And so it's quiet around here during the day. I also have a nice home. If you're not in a nice home, you don't want to be there all day. So like for me, Chris, we're talking like 10,000 square feet. I got a lot of room to move and uh, I've got a great home. 
10,000? Wait, wait. Man. 10,000? 10,000? That's supposed to anger you, and then you're supposed to challenge me, and I'm going to be like, look around, and you're going to be like, it's just it's a blank just a wall. It's just a blank wall. Like and uh, maybe, maybe, you know, th- this has been a very lucrative business for me, sure. Chris, but I've got a great house, and I like being here, so it works for me. But if you don't have a nice house, if you have a loud house, I think our point here is that the workspace is underrated, getting that right, and it really is important, because it's where you spend all your time. And so... I would say my advice here is if you're not a homebody, if being at home is not a good fit for you, or if your home is not a good fit because of noise or it's not nice or whatever, um, get the co-working space. I think it's worth the money. Yeah. Just make some more money and, and pay for it, and it's worth it because it's going to pay off in the long run. Uh, you got to have strong internet. And then speaking of the tools that you need, Chris, uh, we've talked about Optimizer. We'll do more episodes on that either on the Insider or on the PSP. Um, AdWords management tools help, but in terms of business tools, um, we recommend the following Google voice that can give you a business phone number to put on your website and still keep your regular phone. Um, zoom great way to do screen share videos and training and all that kind of stuff. Zoom square and PayPal accounts, have those set up and tied to your bank account. That's the way you can get paid Skype to have calls with clients or international clients international in particular is skype yes skype is great for international crucial g suite for email g suite is a google product that used to be called google apps for work it allows you to have a gmail account that's tied to your at your website instead of at gmail so that helps you look professional and then google sheets and docs are a great way to communicate with clients and send over information in the cloud and i'll say don't use gmail I've seen people that use Gmail as their primary email. Um, Don't use at Gmail. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. You can use the Gmail as part of the G Suites program, but don't use Gmail yep. as your email. If you have a personal email that's Gmail, don't use that. When you set up your AdWords accounts, set up a professional domain. I mean, it, at least have something. It could just be a holding space said, this is the home of so-and-so Google ads services. And it just says coming soon. I mean, you don't have to put any money into it. If you don't need a landing page, if you don't need a website, you don't need one, but you just have to throw that out there. I see a lot of people that, you know, the first impression they get is the fact that they don't have a website and they don't have an email other than Gmail. So honestly, Chris, if I'm a business owner and I get two freelancers, same price, all that kind of stuff. And one's at, at Gmail, one's an official domain mm-hmm. and I can check out their domain. Mm-hmm. Obviously, going with yeah. the one with the domain, but Chris, those—I mean, those are the tools of the trade. That like—that's a very short section, but isn't that a sign of how beautiful this business oh, can be, and how simple it can be, and how low the cost can be? That's all you need in this world. I mean, a bragging um, point—just those products that I say all the time—is ninety-five percent profit is what uh, you know I've enjoyed in the past. You know, where my expenses represent a very small percentage of of what I do. So I'm able to charge fees that work and I'm able to beat agencies on prices uh, because of that. So yeah, uh, expenses are are very minimal. But Chris, here's where it gets real because your little 95% profit margin, that's great. But if your income is only $1,000 a month and you're making $950 a month, <laughs> beautiful business, mm-hmm. 95% profit margin, but you're out of, you're working at, you're, you're, you're selling sandwiches. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you got those plastic gloves on putting that uh, meatball in the sub there, mm-hmm. uh, because you're out of business, Chris, because it's about personal finance. You have to have your personal finance, or when I'm feeling richer, I say finance, your Ooh. personal finances in order, Chris, because it's not just about a job. It's not just about profit margins and running a profitable business. Freelancing is about running a profitable life. Your business, your freelance business has to pay for your life. And if you've um, made children, it's got to pay for their lives as well. So Chris, get me into the talk about limited risk, about knowing where you're at in life. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have kids when you start freelancing? How would that impact your decision when you started? Um, how do those things impact a freelance business? The life things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, for me, I started my business before I had kids. I was already married. 
I did have a mortgage, but I, I didn't have any kids at the time. So I don't think there's any wrong time to start a business. If you have kids, you have a mortgage, you're married and you're in debt. I don't want to say that this won't work for you, um, that you know freelancing is a bad idea. But you have to go back to what we talked about originally. First, make sure that you have the plan in place when you make a transition that it will be smooth, that you won't have a dip and suddenly the bottom fall out because your client that represents 40% of your income fires you just like that and it's over. Now you've lost your original job, your full-time job, and your freelancing is down to nothing. You're making almost nothing now. So the idea here is that uh, you need to have limited risk and you don't start your business with a loan. I, we have just talked about the tools needed. Oh, come on. Don't even. Oh, that's so offensive. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's like it's your money if if you can just ask for it and sign a piece of paper. That's what a lot of people think is that you can get money, but you just have to sign a piece of paper for it and then you slowly pay it back. No, that is if you're going to start this business, start it cash based and keep it that way. That's the way I've always done my business, Jason. I know you've always done your business that way. And it is the only way to stay secure and not have to sweat whether you can get those final numbers in for the month or you're going to go under and you're going to have to, you know, take a loan out to pay your mortgage because you didn't make it. You need to stay liquid in what you're doing. And I'll get a little personal here. I'll share it because this is about me and I've given myself permission. Um, for me, for many years, I have and my wife have done cash budgeting. I am a cash envelope budgeter. I haven't talked about this at all on the show. It's never been something that we've ever brought up. Um, and I may not ever bring it up again because some people think, you know, may think little of someone who does that. But I'll tell you, because of this one no, thing. I mean, Chris, you you dance for a living. It's a job. Um, it, some people look down on that job, but you show up at work, you do what you got to do to feed your family, mm -hmm. you get the cash and then you cash budget. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is a, this is a sham. This is just for the, for the IRS to think I have, uh, a, um, an AdWords business, but I dance for a living. That's, that's correct. You got me. But, um, the, 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 so, hey, some people will believe it. They know you're good looking. They know you're buff. Uh, yeah. we, we just haven't seen your moves yet, yeah. but you're so good looking. You're so buff. Honestly, do the moves matter anymore? That's kind of a taste in the in the, wow. the that kind of business. It used to be more about the dancing, more about the athleticism. Now it's just, I don't know, it's kind of been watered down for the competition. <laughs> but uh, I think you could compete even at your advanced you have, age. I think there's a market for that. You have so many opinions about this completely non-topic subject. It's amazing. <laughs> Chris, can you please get on topic, please? Okay, oh, I'm so sorry. Me. I'm so sorry for bringing up and my how it's helped career. your freelancing business. Okay, so back when I was talking about sensitive topic, which Jason throws stripping into. Thank you very much. So cash budgeting. I'll just tell you the thing is, it has made a difference in my life and my family's life because I don't have to continue making more money in order to catch my increasing spend levels. That is what cash budgeting does for me. I, I don't necessarily say that you have to do cash budgeting, but I've tried all the other ways and it's the only way that works for me. The difference is you don't run a rat race whenever you continually make more money and spend more money. Well, excuse me, you do run a rat race when you do that. So you'll continue to spend more and make more and you will never get enough clients. So to keep yourself from having to Get more and more clients. Wear yourself out. Start working weekends. Work longer days. You manage your output so that your input can stay the same and your expenses uh, don't increase. Or your income can go up and your expenses stay the same. And now you're saving. Now you're moving in the right direction. Now you're planning for the future. So, I mean, there's plenty of uh, resources out there. But that one thing has kept me on track for the long run in this business. And Chris, I'm, I'm more of a credit card guy, but I pay them off every month. So it equates to cash. You know, it's like, I'm not going beyond my budget. I'm paying them off and I'm not taking on debt. And that's the thing about this business. There's no reason why an AdWords freelancer should ever take on debt. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be incredibly profitable from day one, because you're offering a service with very, very little cost associated. So when we get back to the risk and where you're at in your life and personal finance and all that, 
Personal finance, you got to know what your numbers are. Don't fool yourself. Don't tell yourself you're living on X per month and not factor in that things happen. New tires, emergencies, all that kind of stuff. Stuff happens. So plan for that. Um, It's a very simple equation. Um, I like keeping a low monthly nut, a low monthly life spend. I don't live beyond my means. And the lower your monthly spend is, the, the lower you keep that, like where you keep it at a reasonable level. And the more cash you build up and keep, the more flexibility you have and the better freelancer business person you are because you can it gives you more power. The more cash you save, the more ability you have to turn down the bad clients, go after the good clients, do all those kind of things. So keep the monthly nut low, save cash. Um, and Chris, when it comes to where you're at in your life, like you're saying, I would never recommend that someone with kids on a mortgage not do this because it could end up working better. But the more responsibilities you have, the more clients you need to have built up before you actually make the full transition. So the more responsibilities you have in your life, the lower risk you need to make this transition. The opposite version is your 24-year-old Jason running around with no responsibilities in a 2003 Camry five years ago, and you get like a handful of clients and you're like telling your boss, see, I'm off to the races because I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. So the more responsibilities you have, I would say the more clients you need to have, the more income you need to have as you make your transition. And Chris, that gets us to transitioning from your old job to being a full-time freelancer, but doing it the right way. So let's talk about transitioning the right way from your old job to your new, beautiful, stay-at-home freelancing consulting job, okay? Number one, don't burn bridges. Don't walk out of there and say, I quit. I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm going to start my own company. You know, I'm going to, I never see, you know, just my own example is my very first client was my previous employer, okay? So make sure you stay connected there. Don't burn bridges. And uh, it's very important that you don't burn bridges, uh, burn bridges for the purpose of, they could very well be your only reference. You don't have any other clients. I have plenty of people who want to hire me that ask for two or three references. And if I have just started, I couldn't provide them. I need to go back to my employers and basically ask, could you give me a reference? You know, go for somebody in the the company there that can write something nice about you. So uh, that's very important just for the purpose of making sure you, you don't poop where you walked. That's right, Chris. And besides quitting the right way and still, if you can, making a partner almost out of your former employer and keeping opportunities going with them, it's about when to actually do it, when to cut the cord, when to actually become a full-time freelancer. And to me, the only option is when you're turning down work at a freelance level because of your job. And I don't mean like, oh, I can't take on one freelance client because I work during the day. No, like fill up your nights, Fill up your weekends, fill up before work, take on as much as possible, get things going. And then when I when I cut the cord, Chris, like I had just said, it was a little bit more risky than I would recommend for people with kids and a mortgage and all that when I, at the time. But I was still making a ton of money freelancing compared to my income and my hourly rate was like way higher with the freelancing that I was getting paid per hour at a job. And on top of that, like I was turning down leads. Like I was getting leads during the day. I was checking my email when I was sitting at work and I was like, oh man, someone just hired or just contacted me and wants to hire me, but I'm sitting at this job for the next four hours. And then when I get home, I've got two hours of management work for clients. So I was just drowning in leads, ready to really make the move, ready to make more money. And it just felt like I was just really like hurting myself by staying at my job because I had so much opportunity at the door um, of freelancing. So to me, when you get to that moment, uh, you can feel it in your gut. And that that's a time when you should make your move. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Well, let me tell you, Jason, if now's a good time, I'll share a little bit of uh, information about what is the secret and the goal to set for transitioning. So, Let's say you've got a couple clients, um, and l- let me tell you a little story uh, about what happened to me when I was first uh, getting started. I had uh, one particular gentleman. He was in um, Arizona. <laughs> He's a great tipper. Yeah. It's a great. Here we, he here fly we go in again. for business. Here we go again. Yeah. 
He carried a whole wad of ones. <clears throat> so, Chris, are we down for jokes on the insiders? Because I, I feel like you roll with them, you take them well, you expect them no. on the main show, but the insider, this you're is, like, this is no, the, I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to put up with this. This is extra. Jason. This is the. I don't have to. Deal this with is the this. freebie. So we, we're a little more casual on this one. It's not a good represent. We I think we say very few jokes on the paid ones. We we make sure we we do few jokes. But you know what, Chris? I I like to. I yeah, mean, it's. It was too easy. I mean, he flies in from Arizona. He, this gentleman, you called him. This gentleman <laughs> well, was a great tip for him. Just, Go yeah. ahead. Excuse me. I'm sorry. He did I it again. <laughs> did it again. Okay, so he ended up hiring me for one job. And then he decided to <laughs> hand me other clients. Jason's making insinuations <laughs> at me. Um, and he handed me other clients and other clients. And he, he ended up handing me a lot of clients. All, he was an agency that had multiple clients. He was an SEO company that wanted Google Ads stuff. And so I started managing all these other ones. And he, I just started doing more and more and more. He, he ended up representing about 60% of my monthly income. When this happened, I was doing better than I'd ever done before. Okay, I'd never made so much money even when I was working for someone else. I was really, in, you know, I, and we were doing well. I'm saving money. I'm moving along well. And then one day... He calls me and tells me, I, I want to change my strategy and I want to move all my clients over to this other thing. And I, I, this will be your last month. And I almost cried on the phone because it, I thought it was the end. I mean, I was getting emotional. He's like, you'll do fine, Chris. You're a smart guy. You'll bounce back. And he's like, I could imagine, you know, like it was this pathetic situation. So here's the message. There might be times when you're started, you might be approached by a company who will demand 90% of your time, but will only fill about 60% of the funding that you need to accomplish what you need every month in your monthly income that you want to accomplish. If those two don't equate, if you have somebody who work, who will give you a ton of money, but it will be a bunch of work and you might have issue managing anybody else from there, you're going to have to turn them down. Okay. Uh, it's something I learned the hard way. You may not know who that is at the beginning, but as it starts building up, be very careful because the healthiest place to be is a place where you have a lot of clients paying very small percentage of your monthly income. Then you are very uh, liquid on your ability to move and shift and transition. You can take a couple blows from being fired in a month and not sweat it because, hey, I just lost... 2% of my monthly income. I'm fine. I'm sorry that you're leaving, but I'll be okay. So that's the position you want to be at. Lots of jobs with small representations of your overall income, and you will be a happier, healthier person for that. That's the secret, Chris. It's the secret to this business. Many clients, no, not one of them is, is a huge... Uh, they don't have leverage over you. You're making thousands and thousands of dollars a month, sometimes tens of thousands, and not one client, they don't have control over you. So if they have a crazy demand, if you don't want to work for them anymore, just kick them to the curve. It gives you leverage. Now, my mindset on it, Chris, is that's definitely where you want to be when you're starting. Um, you want to get as many cl small clients as possible, add them up, and uh, you very much lower your risk. Now, when things go on and you're later in your career and you're more established and you're getting clients all the time, then I see more, uh, I see the value to kind of taking a risk and taking on super big clients that are going to pay super big, but demand a lot of your capacity. Um, but definitely early on, the mindset should be as many clients as possible. You're going to lose clients. It happens to everybody. And so when it does, you want to be able to take the hit, still be able to pay for your lifestyle, still stay in business and, and keep going. So that's, that's the kind of secret when it comes to uh, the mindset when client uh, quantity, but Chris, getting into mindset here, just kind of wrapping things up. Um, you got to have the skills. Uh, you got to have a business plan. You got to have a lead generation plan. You don't want to make the move until you really have to, till you're in demand, till the job is holding you back from your freelance freelancing career. You got to be ready to have all the responsibility. Um, Chris, we're going to get to the different options you can go down when it comes to freelancing or, or growing with more people. But in terms of work early on, um, the advice I give people, Chris, some people are going to be tempted to overwork like I did. You want to have a good work-life balance. Look at the long term. Look at the fact that you want to be doing this for decades and not just a handful of years. 
But that said, I did not follow my own advice early on, Chris. Like I worked crazy hard. I, I bet I took years off of my life, how hard I worked. And I just, I don't know. I was in the mindset that I had to do that to make it work. But asking you, when you started, did you have to work that crazy hard or did it just work out because you had a good business plan and, and you stuck to it and were nice, smooth and steady every week? I I would say for me, um, I did not work myself to death or, or really overdo it. Um, what I did do. Good. Though, That's good to know you can do it without doing it. What that. I did do, though, was I, I, I spent too much time on the clients that I did have. I overmanaged and set expectations too high. So as you know, when I first started, I started doing, you know, like long written compositions that I've showed you of what an account looks like month to month, I would write these long winded, uh, reports and to think that I could scale that across many more clients. That's where I made the mistake. You weren't thinking, yeah, I wasn't thinking yeah. about growing. I was just thinking about doing the best job I could for those clients. And I worked those clients too hard instead of working at actually marketing myself. So for that reason, I definitely made plenty of mistakes. Uh, but as, as far as working too hard, I'm not the kind of guy that falls into that camp unfortunately or fortunately, Good. however you want to think about it. Fortunately, fortunately, because you the whole point of freelancing, you want to make more money, you want to have a great job, you want to have a great life. But if you're working crazy hours like I did for my first couple of years, that's unattractive for most people compared to just showing up at a job mm-hmm. and, and not having that much stress. Um, but Chris, we've talked a lot about the the strategies and the mindsets at the transition moment. But let's just talk a little bit about going forward. Um, some things you're going to be confronted with. So I always like to have plans, Chris. And honestly, as a freelancer, one of my plans before I made the plunge and while I was an early freelancer, and even to this day, I still have thoughts like this because I want to be prepared. You can always go back and be an employee. You can always go get a job. And so I liked having plans in place like what jobs would I apply for? What would I go do? I don't like the idea of being out there freelancing. Maybe things don't work because of something out of my control. And then I'm just totally screwed putting a meatball in pieces of bread for eight bucks an hour. Like I want to have a plan. So you have a plan with places you could go back to work if you needed to. But Chris, take me through the the other plans. If If freelancing does work out, what people are going to be hit with very quickly. So things go really good and things go really bad. And if it goes well, which I think the formula should that we've laid out here and we've laid out in other, our other episodes is that it should go very well. And if it goes well, you're going to be in demand. You're going to grow. You're going to find a pocket to fit into. You're going to find a niche. Um, for some people, it might be, hey, I do all B2B stuff. For some people, it might be do, hey, I, I'm the expert of moving companies um, you know, for, for Google Ads. You're going to find a niche and you're going to find a spot that you can really thrive in. And you'll love being an expert in that field. It'll fit like a glove. You'll enjoy it because you won't gravitate towards things you don't enjoy. Um, it just won't happen. I mean, you won't enjoy it. You, you'll overprice stuff because you're like, uh, here's another client that does this. You either won't take it or you'll give them a really high price because you just don't want the job and you, you basically run them off on purpose. But if it goes well, that's what you can look forward to. If it doesn't go well, hey, the thing is you've just proved that you know you can handle things on your own and you, you can always go find another job. You just built an entire new skill set for yourself that you could sell to someone to work in-house and then grow from there. So there's always places to go. And then there might be one day when your whole outlook and plans change because this funny looking bearded guy from Oklahoma contacts you and says, Hey, you're like me and we're like each other and we should chat and talk and it's the first time anyone's ever reached out. And Jason, tell them about how having a relationship with someone, not a mentor, I'm not talking about a mentor, but just a powwow, a, a, a mastermind, a squad, and how that can change your business and everything around your business. Chris, I'm, a, I'm an introvert by nature. Um, I'm 
pretty in love with myself and most of the time that's all all I need. But uh, if I was to go it completely alone out there as a freelancer, I'd probably still be doing okay. Probably still be making a little money and probably still be in business. But just by getting out of my introvert or at least working with my introvert personality to make a couple strong connections, uh, just a very, very small amount of strong connections with other freelancers, people in this space, they don't have to be freelancers, but just people in this space completely changed my business, Chris. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about the money. Like I'm making way more money now because I have that those connections, that that small network's an overused word, but that's what it is. It's, it's a group of business friends, um, friends who we do business with each other. Because I have that with just a small amount of people, I made so much more money. But even more important than the money, it's the skills that I've gained by talking with my friends, by brainstorming and all that, learning from them, but also just the security, knowing that I could go work for other people who I like if things didn't work out for me, or the security of like knowing that like, look how much I've built up with other people with relationships and business deals and all that, that things are things are great and they're going to continue to be great. So if you're transitioning to be a full-time freelancer, I would say like, do not do it alone. Like, make those connections. Um, some people won't work out. Like, uh, I know one where Chris tried to make a connection and didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. He felt rejected, <laughs> taking things way back. Oh my I don't forget anything, Chris. Oh, that, that, oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but our thing worked out and our thing with a few more people worked out and it's a, it's a good thing, Chris. It, it, it's hard to put into words, like what kind of difference it makes, how much a difference it makes, but it really makes you more secure. It can really raise your income and, and you want to be around, people who are doing this and and you'll have a lot of opportunities. So Chris, I think we did it, man. Uh, this episode was specifically about how to transition from full-time employee to a full-time Google ads freelancer. We gave our advice. We gave some great resources that people can follow up with. We laid out the kind of checklist, all the things you need to go over if you want to make this a reality. And Chris, with this insider series, that's what we're doing. We're trying to change lives out here. We're trying to help people with everything we've learned over the years doing this, how they can do it too. We dive deep on all the different topics. They all get their own episode. Today's episode was how to make that transition. If you guys want more, paidsearchpodcast.com slash insider. You can get links and access to all the episodes there. We recommend you guys check out those episodes, try them out, tell friends about them. We're really proud of them and we hope we conveyed uh, the value we offer on the uh, insider episodes here today on this episode number five and uh, we thank you guys for listening and we'll be back next week with the paid search podcast bye for now